So I'm, I think I got big timed uh, this week because JB normally loves Hobart Union Weekend. You know, this, the Friday before, rubs in, Hobart's going to beat Union, Frank. And um, he's not there. Uh, Nate Milne popped in instead. I, I'm not sure what this is. Uh, Coach, uh, how are you? Doing great. Is, uh, is JB on his way? To the game? Is he going to make uh, a venture to, to see a game up north here? Is that what's going on? Is his flights are, are switched or what? Well, no, it was a little family issue uh, this morning, to be honest with you. So uh, he, he'll deal with that, uh, as he always does. But it would have been good for him to come up. We would have had a great time, I think, doing it just like we did a couple of years ago. Uh, he came up for uh, the Union Hobart game and uh, got to see the overtime win by the Union Dutchman at the time. I don't get in trouble at if I say at the time. At the uh, time, that's right. Yes. How, how do you like the whole Garnet Chargers thing? Um, the the team makes the name, not the name makes the team. Uh, you could be the, the, the fighting alphabet soups, and if you show up looking like North Central, it's not going to matter. You're the fighting alphabet soups, uh, and nobody's going to care uh, what your mascot is. Alumni may care. Um, but the players, the players make the jersey, and uh, that's what we tell our guys. We tell my, I tell my son, my son's wearing number fifty-seven, and uh, and he's going through and trying to find great players that wore fifty-seven. And I go, the player makes the number, not the number makes the player. I agree with you. That said, uh, I, I did enjoy the fact when I covered a Union game this season, one of the players who will remain unnamed because uh, you know we don't get them in trouble comes up to me, knows my passion about the nickname, and says, that was a big-time Dutchman win, wasn't it, Frank? Knowing what he was saying, and I was like, oh, no, 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 it's the Garnet Chargers. So, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. Union's having a great season. Hobart's having a great season. Only one of three teams technically can finish 9-1 and one for a pool C possibility right now between those three after uh, Ithaca went through their gauntlet already. Uh, much like what's happening in the pack with after Grove City did their uh, you know dirty on everybody, uh, three teams are kind of fighting it out to try to go to nine and one. Although they could all do themselves in and go to eight and two, and then probably not be in a pool C position. So it's interesting. You've got a huge game, Muhlenberg at Dickinson. The Red Devils are legit. Uh, so after I start up the show here, we'll talk uh, briefly about that and many other games because everybody you are watching. Season 16 of In the Huddle. Okay, Coach, I, I'm curious to get your take uh, on some games here. I'll call them out for you because I know it's going to look a little small on your end uh, where you are, and uh, JB uh, had put these together for us. But there is one Friday night game nationally uh, in uh, the, the entire D3 uh, nation. Uh, that is Mass Maritime at Western Connecticut. WestCon uh, still looking to win the MassCAC, still in a position to possibly do so. Bridgewater State's got a trip, though. Uh, for that to happen, but uh, this game should be pretty easy for WestCon. If if it's a close game, that would be a little surprising to us. Uh, the game I'm going to attend, though, Salve Regina versus Springfield. 
Salve comes into the new Mac and says, hey, uh, we, we want the hardware here. And uh, I kind of sound like Kevin Gilmartin today with a little bit of rasp in my voice. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, you see that. You also see Lebval versus Devval, or Delval, excuse me. And uh, that's a huge game. Louis Barrios, Louis Barrios joining us in a second. Uh, and we'll uh, talk with him together if you uh, don't mind. But uh, you look at these games, what, what jumps out at you? Yeah, anytime you got to go on the road on a Friday night, we saw that uh, against Ursinus a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think that always favors the home team uh, when you're at home and teams are a little bit out of sorts uh, up there. You never know what traffic's going to be on a Friday night. Uh, they got to go on the turnpike up there, um, and, and that can be a disaster at any point in time, let alone on the weekend. Um, so I, I think, yeah, WestCon, uh, again, at home on a Friday night um, is is always a, a good thought uh, on there. Uh, Salve and Springfield, uh, again, a big one there. Uh, I know Salve has seen uh, the triple option uh, already this year, uh, so they're not going to be caught off guard, or it's not like they have to reinstall the wheel um, up there. So, again, uh, two good teams. I think Springfield's triple uh, is a little bit unique in, in what they do and how they run it um, and the pride that they take. In that, and then Leval Delval um, uh, again, huge, huge game. Uh, I think Delval has, has really come on strong uh, this season uh, and played uh, again a really, really tough non-conference game against Cortland uh, to really battle them, test themselves, uh, not only for uh, the MAC uh, but also then to prepare themselves uh, for the postseason. So I think Delval is, is getting hot at the right time, um, which every team kind of wants to do. You want to make sure number one that you're healthy. Uh, and then you want to make sure that you're playing really good football at the end of the season. So how are you with interviews? I mean, uh, are, are you down for, uh, you know, this real co-host uh, tryout situation we've got going on here unanticipated today? Yeah, we'll be okay, I think. Okay. Uh, head coach Nate Milne from Muhlenberg now donning his in-the-huddle credentials here, folks. And we're, uh, we're going to start up here and bring in Louis Berrios IV, the uh, junior quarterback from Delaware Valley, and uh, he's had you know one of those careers so far, uh, the up, the down, and all around. But he's still somebody that is very much feared in the MAC. Uh, and Louis, thrilled to have you here. Thanks for joining us. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How you doing, Coach? What's up, Frank? Good to see you, man. Too. Yeah, you know, the, the little bit of Pennsylvania <laughs> cooking going on around here, uh, you know, obviously not too far from each other. Uh, you got to go through some back roads and whatnot uh, to get to each other's schools uh, from each other. But, Louie, let me ask you, um, a lot of people had written off Del Val earlier in the season. They said, yeah, despite the fact, you know, uh, they've got a good, uh, you know, core of games after the Cortland situation. And that was a tough game, obviously, for you guys. Yeah, they're just not the same team, and yet you guys just keep winning and winning and winning here. What's your What's the drive right now? What's motivating you and this team to continue the winning ways to make sure that you don't slip up here, especially in these MAC games like this one versus Lev Val? I mean, we go we take week by week, individually every week. Uh, we keep we know we we stand on a lot of heavy tradition here at Del Val, and week one was you know we got smacked in the mouth. And kind of what kind of was a blessing in disguise because it, it gets it gets easy when you keep winning and winning. Everybody expects kind of that just to happen. So our team's pretty young right now, and, and it was good to get that taste in our mouth. To, to, it's wow, like you know, it's not just going to come easy like that. We got to keep putting in this work, 
and not take everything for granted. So right now, each week, we, we feel like our back's against the wall. We just have to come out winning, and no matter how we do it, if it's running the ball, throwing the ball, defensively, special teams, all got to come together, and we keep the main thing the main thing, and that's just to win games. That's absolutely right. Um, and Frank, as you guys know, I think we experienced the same thing that Louis talking about in 2021. Uh, we were coming off of a final four appearance and obviously the COVID season was canceled. Um, we we're in the top 10 in the country and uh, went on the road and uh, or at home here, we lost to Ursinus. And uh, to Louis's point, that kind of got everybody refocused. Uh, so sometimes as he mentioned, that, that term blessing in disguise is is true. It's about how the players look at it. It's about how the coaches look at it. Um, and obviously, a program like Delaware Valley, with the tradition that they have, uh, it was easy for them to kind of gather themselves and know that they're going through uh, the Mac gauntlet starting next week. And in every single game, when you play those nine straight, uh, it's a championship game uh, in their mind. Uh, Louis, uh, focusing a little bit on football here, um, what is one thing that you think you guys have improved on, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball? And then where's an area that you guys are looking to continue to improve? An area that uh, we're looking to improve in, I can start first, is um, just continuing to focus on the little things. I feel like we came out there and we were trying to find identity. We had some new faces on there. Uh, some young, some younger guys. So we're just really trying to focus on, you know, doing your job. Everybody focusing on their job and not worrying about everything else, and then take it by play by play. And then uh, the first question was, what What do we do well? Yeah, what have What have you guys seen? Like, what is your identity a little bit this year? As you mentioned, you have some new players, and uh, maybe something you were doing early on in the season, and then now you transition maybe to something else. Uh, I mean, obviously, I feel like we, we're able to run the ball right now uh, pretty well. We got a lot of good running backs back there, and the O-line starting to get in their groove. So we just we like to line up and, you know, let, let our running backs do some, do some dirty work. <laughs> it's always been a staple uh, at Delaware Valley is being able to, uh, to, to run the ball. They do have a, a bunch of tough individuals uh, on the offensive line, um, and I think that is a really good point. Um, when you're breaking in new teams, and I know there are a lot of coaches that have different philosophies on this, uh, but I think many of the best programs, they're going to tailor their offense and their defense towards their players. Uh, instead of just running, this is play one, and we're going to run play one no matter who our quarterback is. Well, if you don't, if you can't throw it like Louie does, then maybe you shouldn't be running play one. Um, and so uh, you've got to tailor that. And sometimes, to his point, um, that takes a little bit of time throughout the season to really find your niche and your identity. Well, you know, Louis, I, I want to kind of uh, buttress off that uh, point that he's making there. It's one of those things for you last season. I think the difference maker for DelVal was the fact that you kind of came out of nowhere and had this arm that was throwing some great touchdowns, some great passes throughout the season. You struggle at times this season, as if they kind of caught on to who you are. You're not fooling anybody anymore. So how have you had to adjust personally to make sure that the pass game is still an option? Because you're not going to have a successful run game without a successful pass game opening it up ultimately. So tell us about your season progression personally here. So, you know, obviously 
as a quarterback, you want to be able to throw the ball. But these past, you know, three, four weeks, the weather itself, you know, it seems like it's sunny all week until it gets to Saturday and then it just wants to downpour. So that's been a little struggle with dealing with the weather. But, uh, you know, we just let the game come to us, whatever it takes. If we got to throw the ball 40 times, if we got to run the ball 40 times or split it and go even, even, we're just worried about winning right now. So honestly, I'm, I don't care if I'm throwing for 100 yards, rushing for 100 yards, rushing for five yards, throwing for five yards. As long as we win the game at the end of the day, then that's all that matters. They're scrappy, I'll tell you, Coach, uh, in terms of winning those games. And that, that's a Duke Greco mentality. He doesn't care how he wins necessarily either, as long as that scoreboard showing the right numbers. And he'll get mad at the team if it's close, sure. But that scrappy nature of uh, DelVal teams over the years has been a successful equation uh, in the MAC for sure. And then they have a game like this one coming up versus LeVal. What, what do you think of this team? Before And then, Coach, I'll let you go uh, after this, but what do you think of this uh, Lepval team? They, they, they're tough to identify, I think, personally. Uh, they've kind of had a consistency uh, of sorts this season, but this is a real test for them compared to the rest of the schedule uh, that they've played so far. Give me your take on what you're going to see, especially on the defense of Lepval that you're kind of anticipating uh, coming up on Saturday. Lepval's a good team, you know. They, uh, I think they might even lead the nation in takeaways or defensive touchdowns. They have a really good defense. They coach really well. Their offense does great things. Uh, this is our second home game of the season, and it's homecoming, so this is going to be a really exciting time. Uh, it's like games. You, games like this is what makes you want to play football and, and enjoy everything. It's going to be two, two big teams in the in the conference going at it, and uh, I think it'll just be fun on Saturday. Yeah, we had the opportunity to play Lebanon Valley last year in uh, the Centennial Mac Bowl Series. And it, it, they do have a unique identity in what they do. Um, and if they can play their style of football, to, to your point, Frank, I think uh, most people know sometimes football games are, are about matchups um, and, and who can do what. Uh, Lebanon Valley is one of those teams uh, if, if they stay in rhythm and they stay on schedule uh, and they can put you in situations. I remember last year they had a unique uh, nickel package uh, on third down. Uh, they played, uh, I, I can't even describe it. It was just a wild formation, almost like an amoeba defense. And they're bringing guys uh, from all over the place. Um, and so our goal on offense was to, to make sure that we stayed out of third and five plus. Um, and we had to stay on schedule um, with those types of things. Uh, so I think that they are a unique uh, opponent in, in kind of what they're doing uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, and I think obviously DelVal has a, a significant identity uh, as well. So again, it can be a, a, a unique matchup uh, for both teams uh, out there uh, and a challenge on, on both defenses uh, for sure. Well, I, I, one thing I've never heard JB say in the show is amoeba defense. So, I, I mean, we already have uh, some uh, history being made here on In the Huddle with uh, Nate Milne as my uh, guest co-host here today. We may drop the guest part at some point in the show and just go with him. Uh, but, no, uh, Louie, listen, why DelVal and what's your relationship with Coach Greco? Why do you love that guy so much? Uh, he's really beloved around the DelVal family uh, for years and years here. And he, he just seems to have uh, that consistency. But tell us why you picked DelVal in the first place and why you kind of trusted in Coach Greco. Yeah, so why I chose DelVal is, uh, so I transferred in from a uh, Pace University. And when I came on a visit here, 
you know, I was my high school came really valued like, you know, tradition and family. And as soon as I stepped foot on campus here, you just felt that like you walk in the locker room, you see the coaches who run this program and even the people they, they embrace football here. They they embrace the culture and everything, you know, they, they don't they don't BS you. They, you know, this is a school where if you want to if you want to play football and go to school, this is where you want to go. We might not be flashy with everything else outside of football. But if you want if you love football and you want to be here, this is the school for you. And that's exactly what I was looking for. Uh, then Coach Greco, you know, you want a straightforward guy as a head coach. You want somebody that talks to you about other things than football, that, that cares about you more than just having the ball in your hand. And that's exactly who he is as a guy. He, you know, he's someone you could go to about anything, someone that has your back no matter what. And I love Coach Greco, man. <laughs> he's a good guy. Well, tremendous. Uh, yeah, you can see it there uh, in, in Louie's face. You know, when, when you have that relationship with a head coach, um, it, it, it can be really, really special. Indeed. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is a game, if Gordon Mann wasn't calling the game, this would have been one of the games I probably would have gone to uh, this weekend. Uh, Gordon Mann works with this at D3Football.com, so it's tough for me to, you know, step in in his uh, turf until the playoffs. Then, then it's no more turf war, and I like that. But uh, I'm going to be watching the scoreboard for sure this weekend. Uh, I'm curious to see if Delval can continue here because uh, you do still have that target on your back. There's no doubt. Uh, until you slip up here, that target's remaining front and center, and you know that as much as anybody, Louie. I want to give you a chance for shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates, whomever you'd like. Uh, Louis Berrios, the floor is yours. Uh, I just appreciate this opportunity for inviting me to the show. Of course, I want to say hi, Mom. <laughs> She's tuned in right now watching, and, you know, just this weekend is going to be a good game. So if you guys can come out to DelVal, appreciate it, and go Aggies. Big-time homecoming uh, game coming up there. Uh, one thing, Louie, uh, that we don't normally ask, uh, we're going to send you a customer satisfaction survey to see what your thoughts of this guy were uh, as your uh, interviewer. Uh, so, you know, make sure, uh, uh, scale of 1 to 10, we'll have uh, the questions. Uh, anything above a 6 is uh, probably better than JB, is what I understand. He's not going to come himself, so I can do this. So just just make sure, you know, you, you give him credit where you need to give him credit and ding him where you got to ding him, okay? Smart man. Smart man Think it is mom, all right? He knows Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and uh, if, if he wants what's going to be on the table, he's got to thank mom on there. So, Louis, smart guy right there. That's why you're playing quarterback, man. <laughs> Appreciate it, Coach. Louis, good luck to you and the Aggies. Uh, good luck to everybody on Saturday. Let's see a great game. I'm hoping the weather holds out to a certain degree for you because I know we're still uh, getting ambushed by rain on another weekend here in certain areas in the Northeast and uh, Mid-Atlantic. So uh, good luck regardless of the elements, and we'll see how it goes for everybody. Thank you. Louis Berrios, the fourth, joining us from DelVal. Good guy. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, his season numbers have been all over the place. And I, I think you experienced, experienced this with Nikowski uh, back when, that once the curtain was up and people had a year of dealing with the quarterback, that quarterback has to begin to adjust in a certain way because their you know their characteristics are known now they've got to start adding a little something to their game or start looking differently or reading the defenses a little bit differently because the defenses are now shading because of this guy somehow and you know getting successful at it tell us that phenomenon a little bit or about that phenomenon from your experience yeah it's twofold uh, number one as a play caller on offense 
you've got to continue to push the quarterback. Um, they ultimately want more uh, on their plate. Um, and so you can't just run the same plays over and over and over again. Um, the best players need to be challenged, um, not only uh, on the field, but off the field uh, as well. And so Mike craved uh, a leadership role like any quarterback does. And it seems like Louie has that uh, right there, just that personality. Uh, I know Del Val is a tradition and maybe a couple of fifth years and things like that. Um, but when you're the quarterback, you need to have that control uh, over a football team. And then to your point, besides new installs uh, and changing and tailoring the offense to their needs, uh, you've got to see them mature. Uh, we've said it to Joe Repetti this year, and I said it to Mike uh, many, many years ago. This is your show now. If you don't like something, if I call a bad play, play clock is running out, don't look to me. You've got to call a timeout. You've got to adjust the play. Uh, and so I think adding those types of things, so when they see the game the way that they do with the line of scrimmage, that they're able to take what the defense has given them. Um, we think there's a good run play and a good pass play almost all the time um, on the offensive side of the ball. And sometimes we can get into it as play callers. And sometimes the quarterback has to get you into those good plays uh, out there. You see the hitch. I think that's why so many people love the RPO uh, is because it gives the quarterback the opportunity to give the ball, throw the ball, take what the defense has given them uh, and kind of move the chains. Frank, I can't hear you. Yeah, that's because that mute thing is happening again. You know, I, I'm trying to make sure I'm not interrupting your sage wisdom of all sorts down there. And, of course, I mute myself out. Uh, I, we're going to uh, Region 2, I was saying, because uh, you're on this board and want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your game. Not too much. Obviously, we're not going to give away the company secrets, as they always say here. But uh, first off, let's look at what's at the top of this board. Ithaca Rochester has a whole new meaning as we have confirmed that A.J. Wingfield is done for the season uh, with a leg injury from the game uh, that they won versus Union, but may have lost uh, a re the real crux of their offense in the process. And it plays out interestingly because Rochester's had some moments this season where they've looked pretty good. And if they can put together a full game here, they might be able to challenge Ithaca at home, uh, Rochester is in this game. That, that won't automatically let's say, kill things off here uh, for Ithaca. They more or less have to lose twice if Rochester slips up again, uh, ultimately down the season. Uh, and we'll see where this goes. It, it's going to be an interesting scenario. We, again, send our best to A.J. Wingfield. It's a horrible ending for uh, somebody who came back for the season, hoping to go even further in the playoffs. It is, uh, you know... Something that is part of football, as you know, uh, seeing those injuries mount. For sure. AJ's a, a really good young man. I had the opportunity to recruit uh, AJ out of high school at Ramapo High School in New Jersey. Uh, got to know him. We've had a number of Ramapo players uh, in years past uh, at Muhlenberg College, and uh, they're a terrific uh, football program there in New Jersey. And so, uh, to your point, yeah, I want to wish AJ nothing but the best. He's, he's a solid young man, really good football player and uh, certainly not the ending uh, that he was looking for. No. Uh, and uh, then we look at Hobart Union, uh, a game which obviously you and I uh, take a little seriously here, you being the Hobart guy, me being the Union guy. Uh, JB is watching somewhere out there saying, hey, that's my line. But, uh, you know, it's 
it's again the fight for nine and one ultimately between the teams named Hobart Union and RPI, the old three-headed monster. And Ithaca kind of pushes the three-headed monster down a peg uh, this season by beating all of them. But at the same time, Nate, uh, you know, important game at Union. D- Union's defense is still Union's defense. They still had some big moments last weekend despite the loss. And so, you know, you look at this Hobart team that seems to have some great components. Where I, I, I don't know everybody in that team like I have in previous years, we'll put it that way. But at the same time, Hobart, they know the moment, okay? Kevin DeWall knows the moment here in a game like this. It is a very important game. Yeah, some of my favorite moments in college are, are Hobart Union, Hobart RPI, um, the, the conference battles, the, the players you know, the players you played against in high school. Um, and so I think the moment is not lost on anybody on either side of the ball. Um, you want to be playing championship caliber games uh, late into October, uh, and this certainly has the feel for that. Um, and, and I think it'll be one of those knock them out, drag them out football games, the way Hobart likes to run the football. Um, and obviously Union's defense is, is something really, really special. Uh, I think they're both – uh, top 10 in the country in both of those stats. Hobart's top 10 in the country, I think, in rushing offense. And I know Union is top 10 in scoring defense. So it, it, it's classic uh, offense versus defense on there. And again, maybe it'll be uh, somebody on the other side of the ball uh, um, where it is Hobart's defense that makes the play against Union's offense. Um, so it'll be uh, really, really key uh, for, for, for both teams. Then we look at these next two games, and your conference right now is about five deep in terms of teams that really are what I would call the quality teams ready to knock somebody off any uh, day of the week right now. It's you, it's Johns Hopkins, it's Dickinson, it's Franklin and Marshall, it's your sinus, okay? And we saw it last week, Franklin and Marshall had JHU on the ropes at certain points in that game, Hopkins comes back to win it, but... You know, your sinus, I saw the game you played against them. They are a very tough team, no doubt. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're on the road in Baltimore, but at the same time, they're still going to bring it. They, they need this game to stay alive here, ultimately, for a number of different things. Uh, Dickinson, on your end of the ledger, that's a tough one. That is a, an immensely tough game for you. We've talked about it in the cold open a little bit, but let's get a little more specific before I kind of send you off as uh, Andrew Santillo will be joining me. Uh, for the rest of the way, and appreciate you joining me uh, today uh, on little notice, but uh, great stuff today with you. But kind of give us, uh, as you're uh, leaving us here, a, a dose of what Muhlenberg Dickinson is going to be, especially for you on the road. I think, again, in general, when you look at the scores week in and week out, to your point, you see the depth of the Centennial Conference uh, almost every single one of these games. And you go back to a year ago now, so this is not... Uh, a one-off phenomenon. Um, Dickinson wins on the last play of the game uh, against uh, a very good Franklin and Marshall team. Hopkins has to come back against Franklin and Marshall. We have a one-score game against our sinus. A year ago, it's a one-score game against our sinus and a one-score game against Hopkins and a one-score game against Franklin and Marshall. And so the depth, the talent in the Centennial Conference uh, is really, really, really something to behold and something special. Um, I know there are a lot of really good conferences out there uh, from top to bottom, uh, but for the last couple of seasons, you can see the depth. And, and when you have, uh, again, teams 
like Johns Hopkins and like Muhlenberg that make the Elite Eight and you make the Final Four, I think you have great coaches in this league that are really starting to push their programs and push their athletic departments. Coach Fordyce and his staff have done a great job building at Dickinson. Uh, Coach Gallagher has done a great job. Um, and, and obviously, Coach Blumenauer has come in on the heels of Coach Troxel and, and really kept that thing going at Franklin and Marshall. Uh, and so you see really quality football teams uh, over and over again uh, on there. Uh, there was some talk about the gauntlet of uh, conferences. And just to give you guys a little bit of insight about our game, there are absolutely no secrets between Muhlenberg and Dickinson College. Um, Coach Fordyce and I worked together for seven years. Coach Knapp, their offensive coordinator, and I worked together for seven years. Uh, my wife uh, watched both of their children, both of their children growing up. Um, and so... <laughs> Um, besides being in the meeting rooms uh, with each other, besides hanging out together, and now we've competed against each other at Muhlenberg and Dickinson for the past six years or so, uh, I mean, we've got a 13-year relationship. There's no hiding anything. They know everything about us, and we know everything about them. Um, and so it makes for that unique gauntlet that is conference play. Um, when you get six, seven weeks of that, um, sometimes these teams, like the teams in the WEAC, uh, they can't wait for the first round of the playoffs so they don't have to play somebody from Wisconsin. Um, and so I think in the Centennial Conference, you end up seeing the same thing uh, where, uh, again, uh, a team like Johns Hopkins and Muhlenberg, there are no secrets. You've got eight games on each other, um, and it is going to be a, a ferocious battle. Uh, and the same thing with their sinus, and the same thing with Dickinson, and the same thing with Franklin and Marshall. And again, when you get to the playoffs, you only get three games on an opponent. And so there's such limited information. You've kind of got to find what they're doing well. Whereas right now, they have every single game on us. They've seen every single play. They know who's hurt. They know who's not hurt. Um, we're an hour and a half away from each other. They know our players. We know their players. Um, and so it really is a, a unique battle when you get into these, these big-time conference games. Uh, first off... Uh... You said WIAC. Are you sure it's not WIAC? I, I, I know you watch you know, our Twitter I, feed. I saw I saw it, and so I'm going with uh, – I, I feel like there was somebody from Wisconsin that said there was a TV station or something that goes by WIAC or something like that, and, and so they, they go by uh, the, the, the WIAC or something like that. I, so I felt like WIAC was, was the way to go. Um, again, I, I don't know, but I felt like I, that was the way to go there. Andrew Santillo is uh, coming in to uh, pinch hit the rest of the way here. But, uh, Andrew, uh, you just talked to Coach DeWall. Uh, did he mention Nate Milne at all in your conversation with him? Because, I mean, we were talking elite statesman right there. Uh, Kevin DeWall, he knows who Nate Milne is, I think. Uh, he maybe got his autograph when he was younger or something like that. Uh, was, there, was there anything uh, that we should know about from that discussion related to the Union uh, Hobart game? Well, I mean, I think, um, and uh, you know, I know, I know Coach, I know Coach Milne a little bit. I'm an, uh, I went to Ithaca, so I know him a little bit from. Uh, he, I think he was at Cortland after I was at Ithaca, but and he was at Hobart, and I covered Union and RPI, uh, you know, for the newspaper before I uh, followed in your large footsteps with the Union broadcast. But Coach DeWall, um, you know, basically just, <laughs> basically just said, I mean, this, you know, Hobart Union, uh, you know. 
forget the fact that Union six and one and Hobart's five and one. I mean, this is going to be a close game. I mean, you know, one of the last things Coach DeWallace had just said to me just before we hung up was, you know, the alums know how important this game is, right? I mean, it's Union and Hobart. I mean, you know, it, it's not that far away. Um, you know, these are big time Liberty League rivals. I mean, Ithaca has been up there, but they've only been in the Liberty League for a handful of years. So, you know, it's been it's been Hobart, it's been RPI, it's been it's been Union. St. Lawrence snuck in for a couple of years. So, I mean, these have been the, the top dogs here. Um, you know, for the last handful of seasons, and uh, we we expect another another close one in a, in a rivalry that dates back to the 1800s, right? 1890 something or other. Yeah, and uh, Coach Milne was uh, a freshman for that game. It was a it was a great game, leather helmets and everything else, right, Coach? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Coach Dewall and I played together one season, uh, and uh, that was my freshman year, his senior year, and then uh, he was on staff uh, as well with us. So Coach Dewall and I have known each other for a number of years, and uh, he knows this, and I always uh, make sure to make note of it. Uh, Coach Dewall had a significantly higher GPA than I did uh, when when he graduated uh, as part of the uh, the Druid Society there uh, at Hobart College. Uh, so next time, super elite, super elite. Next time, <laughs> that is that is beyond. That's like beyond my capacity. Like there, there's there's Hobart elite education, and then when you're in the Druid Society, I mean, it's very few humans on earth can comprehend that. Um, maybe maybe Elon Musk could take a deep dive um, into something like that, but even he would probably struggle to keep up with most of the individuals who've been through that. Coach, best of luck uh, against Dickinson. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, you did a great job as always. Uh, and, you know, we'll see uh, if uh, that game versus Johns Hopkins retains the elite status uh, we think it does. Uh, coming up very, very soon. Uh, you may see me trolling the sidelines one more time. Uh, and you said I'm allowed to join you based on what happened in the Ursinus game a couple Fridays, a few Fridays ago. So I'm going to take you up on that if that game remains, uh, let's say, the elite game on the schedule looks like it may be. Yeah, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a massive game for us. Finally, to get back home. Um, and again, to Louis' point, hopefully we can turn the weather around here at some point in the, uh, the, the mid-Atlantic. It's been beautiful all week and rain on the weekend. So I think uh, when we start voting for uh, all conference and all uh, Americans and things like that, uh, you're going to have to take a look and see the weather games. Uh, you got to see a one-off here. We've had back-to-back -back weekends where it's been really hard for quarterbacks to throw for more than 100 yards. Uh, so you're going to see some of those guys uh, out west who've had bigger numbers than us probably because it's been dry. Um, but I think um, it, it, we've got some good players out here. So appreciate you guys having me. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, what the rest of the season holds for us. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Good luck, Coach. Andrew, we're going go to go to our, our uh, Region 2 slide here and uh, talk a little bit about it here. Uh, we we kind of went uh, did the deep dive in the first four games. Salisbury-Rowan is kind of a, an important game for bowl uh, type of scenarios. Uh, both teams are out of really a, a legitimate pool C running. Uh, Washington Jeff and Carnegie Mellon is a very much a, a pool C type of game because both teams looking to finish nine and one after both losing to Grove City already this season in the pack. It's going to be tough for a pack team to get a look at nine and one because of the all 
conference game scenario that they're playing all their games against each other. So everybody's going to have basically near a 500 strength of schedule, which means that there are going to be a lot of teams out there that may be in pool C bid position where ultimately they're going to look better uh, than a 9-1 pack team. But first things first, these teams have to get to 9-1. We'll see what happens there. Give me a little bit more insight here, if you can, on this Hobart Union matchup uh, from your perspective here. Yeah, well, it's funny. You just mentioned Pool C. Uh, I just got off the phone with uh, with Coach DeWall as we were talking about it. He said he thinks that a Liberty, and I know the numbers maybe won't back necessarily his argument per se, but he he was very adamant that a 9-1, and one, potential 9-1 and one runner up in the Liberty League based on the way the conference has performed, uh, based on the fact that you have uh, four teams with one loss with RPI, Union, Ithaca, and Hobart. He, he felt very strongly that a 9-1 and one Liberty League team should be considered for the Pool C. And he said, you know, part of it was, listen, you know, our conference has, has had a lot of balance um, and we've been able to perform well in the postseason. And he thinks that's prob- part of the reason why is because of the strong tests that they face during the year. So um, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, we're talking about this. I mean, I think it's funny. I came into it thinking he might be focusing more on the offense, especially because he calls the offensive plays. And he, you know, did talk about the offense, but he basically said, you know, these are two teams in Hobart and Union that have great defenses. Um, Unions is among, you know, if you look at just statistics among the tops in the country with only allowing seven points per game, but Hobart is only allowing 13 points per game. So two you know, very good defenses and some opportunistic offenses. So he thinks it's going to come right down to the wire. Um, you know, he'd like to get his run game established with uh, with Tim Denham and, and Rayshon Boswell, um, who average, you know, he has a team, they average over 200 yards a game. Um, so I, I think it's going to come right down to the wire. And, and you've called your fair share of Hobart Union games. I mean, it, oh, it always yeah. seems to come down <laughs> to the wire uh, between these two programs. Um, and, you know, um, I didn't know – you know, in stepping in, and I apologize that I was late because I was on the coach with or on the phone with Coach DeWall. But um, the fact that JB, uh, you know, was just turning his back on you here this week because of the big Hobart Union rivalry. You know, he's he's on on to greener pastures, I guess. I, I've been big time by him. I, I, that's exactly what's happened here. Listen, we have a guest in the wings. Uh, Mike Bertoya is uh, waiting to come on in a second here. So we're going to actually skip to the Region 6 slide here. We'll go back and cover sure. the 3, 4, and 5. Uh, but I just want to point out that there aren't many huge, huge games in the West uh, or the West region. I, here, you know, listen to me go back about 10 years here. Uh, region 6. <laughs> uh, Oshkosh versus Lacrosse is the cream of the crop at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, St. John's Gustavus Adolphus could be interesting. St. John's though had a great bounce back game in terms of some of their inconsistency uh, heading into last week. Well, last week was really good for them uh, against Carlton. So uh, they are who they are. We that's not changing. It looks like Stout versus Whitewater. You never know what Stout's going to bring, but Whitewater should be able to handle them just fine. This Redlands Claremont Mud Scripps game is actually very interesting because Redlands has had a fair amount of problems this uh, year, and Claremont Mud Scripps is looking to uh, possibly blaze a trail into the playoffs uh, this season. We'll see where this one goes, but uh, look out for it. And then you got some red eye games, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Willamette, uh, George Fox, and also uh, we've got the uh, Cal Lutheran Chapman game there as well. 
Uh, I think uh, Mike Bertoya is in the wings. I saw the camera on earlier. We'll uh, ask him to turn it back on. And uh, the, yeah, well, well, the, it was on, it was off, it was on, it was off. Let's see here. And uh, just waiting for Mike uh, to come back on, and we'll bring him on in here uh, in one second here on In the Huddle. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Andrew, uh, for those that don't know, you are the voice of the Union College um, whatever they are so these days <laughs> and so uh you know it's you know a job that is uh very very fulfilling uh i, I did it for how many years and uh you've been doing such a phenomenal job I want to thank you for that uh for carrying on to the uh, tradition how's it feel uh what is this season five or six for you what is this uh yeah it's a, well it's uh, it's 10? hard to believe. Yeah, without without 2020, my first year, we did all 10 games, right? Because we were still on the radio. It, it, I sound like a, you know, uh, from the 1800s myself here, talking about the radio. Uh, but we every had every game on the radio back in 2015. Um, that was my first season following your uh, footsteps. Um, in fact, you did even did a game with me. I think that year in Western Connecticut State. I think it rings a bell. Um, I think you, you hopped on with me. So that was my first year. So this has got to be, so 15 and 16, we did every game. Um, and then obviously with the, uh, with technological advances and people doing the, you know, video and people would rather watch that than listen to the radio. Um, so 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 was the NCAA year, the no 20, 21, 22. So this is my eighth year. It's hard to believe. Wow. I should remember that because 2015 was also the year I was married. So should be easier math than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting point right there. Uh, you don't don't ever forget the year you're married, uh, just for uh, survival's sake. Um, uh, I'm going to do one other thing here. While uh, Mike, uh, we're still having trouble with your camera being consistent there, so uh, they'll keep working on that at Lacrosse to make sure we get that interview in. But if you give me a second here, guys, as I try to figure out how to use the software today. No, that's yeah, not sure. Work, I will, right? Frank. I mean, I, I think this game. I mean, I looked quickly back at last year's game. Um, you know, that Oshkosh they win on, or the lacrosse wins on the road at Oshkosh, and uh, um, 38 35 came down to a field goal in the last minute. So it's uh, you know, this is going to be another um, you know, I think this is going to be another good game between these two, WEAC or WIAC or however we want to pronounce it. Uh, I think is probably the, the strongest conference in the country. Uh, however you say it. Yep, and JB is joining us now too. Uh, JB, uh, hey I see Mike uh, in the wings here. The camera's working again, so we'll jump on that in a second here. Uh, and uh, we'll keep uh, both of you guys in for question and answer session here, if uh, that's okay. So we'll go around Robin on questions from Mike Bertoya, who's an offensive lineman for uh, Wisconsin Lacrosse in just a moment here. But Finally, just want to welcome in JB. getting the big guys yep. on the show. We've had a lot of quarterbacks this season. It's been a very quarterback uh, heavy in the D3 FB huddle season, but we finally got one of the big boys, the O-line, a guy who's been an All-American, I think a multiple-time All-Conference. WIAC, is it we? Have we come to a consensus? <laughs> we'll I, I heard him. a little bit of stuff. Okay, well, yeah, let's ask, the, let's ask a, a, a guy who actually plays in the conference to get his professional opinion on it. But, uh, yeah, I know um, he's been a big part of their success. Let's do this. I'm going to uh, change screens here. Andrew, stay with us. Don't don't leave us here. Uh, but in the meantime, Mike Pretoria. And, Mike, I hopefully, first Mike. off, I'm pronouncing Mike. your name correctly. Uh, and, but, you know, uh, is it Pretoria and is it Weak or Wyak? <laughs> oh, hold on one second. There we go. Go ahead. Oh, hold on. This is, this is my end here, Mike. 
Now you, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, it's Bertoya, and I just call it the WEAC. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I, I like the righteous indignation of the whole thing because two-thirds of the country said uh, we were all wrong on that one, and then uh, you're saying, no, no, you're right. Don't worry about it. Mike, yeah, let's talk a little bit of uh, WEAC football here and the fact that uh, lacrosse was a team, and I, I think you guys know this, uh, that we didn't exactly give you guys the homage of uh, the preseason ranking on our own show here because we saw so many graduations and loss of yardage and things like that along the way. Uh, you know, it, it was a concern, but you guys have just, aside from that Harden-Simmons game, we'll talk about that in a second, you guys have been kind of rolling here. Uh, talk about a little bit. Talk about kind of maybe the chip on your shoulder, seeing that people weren't necessarily calling you one of the top dogs in the WEAC. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I can understand from the outside looking in why uh, there might have been some of that doubt when looking at this team. Um, I think from the inside, we understood that uh, from the recruiting side of things, we would brought in some really good pieces. You know, I've been here since 2019. So I've kind of seen the evolution of the recruiting classes that we've had. So coming into this season, I knew that we had some really good players kind of just waiting to get on the field. And, you know, there wasn't exactly that experience there yet, but I knew the talent was there to replace the guys that we had lost. JB, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, thanks again for joining us. And, and one of the things I, I think has really impacted D3 football the last couple of years has been the, the advent of the COVID extra fifth year. I mean, at this point in time, I, I mean, we did see a lot of guys you know, leave from the prior year's teams, but you also have others with a lot of eligibility. Does that sort of what you were, what you were saying there before with the, with the recruiting and that you actually have, you know, this sort of backlog of talent here? Yeah, so we had a lot of like fifth and sixth year players last year. And because of that, there was a lot of really good recruits that didn't get to play, but, um, you know, they got to develop behind the scenes. And those guys now have had the ability to play. So I think in other years, they might have been starters for us. But because of the 22 season, having so much returning talent, um, they kind of just had to wait, you know. Mr. Yeah, Mike, hey, uh, Andy Santillo here. Uh, just talk, congrats on the great start. You guys are ranked fourth in the country, uh, five and one. What, what's been the key to the offense this year? You guys are averaging over 441 yards per game. And as JB says, we don't give enough credit to the guys up front. So, um, you know, I guess give some credit to those guys up front here that play alongside you. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a really talented offensive line. And I think we really have a great coach more than anything in Andrew McGlenn. Um, you know, he really gets us as ready as you can be every Saturday. Um, on top of that, I think that our running back stable is really talented and Kaiser Heltebrand might be a pretty good football player. So he makes it pretty easy to get the running game going. Yeah, what is the scheme exactly? Because Kaiser's not always the guy that I'm calling in crunch time as the, the guy, you know, necessarily behind center or throwing the passes or whatever at all times or scoring all the things. Uh, what is the scheme going on there this year? Is it a kind of a two-headed monster scenario? Or what are you guys doing? And how has it lent to, uh, you know, this, I guess, maturity going on in the offense here? Because it seems like week by week, you guys are showing more and more maturity as we're going along here. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about the scheme at length, but truthfully, I'm just told the to block, you know. Um, from, the skill, from the skill position side of things, um, I would say that our team is extremely unique in that there's not a lot of egos, and it's more so what do we need at any given time. Like, 
against Whitewater. I don't know if you guys tuned in, but we used two quarterbacks at one time, you know, and then you go to Platteville and we use one and rely more on different schematics. Um, so I, I would say really it's just like a game-to-game -game type thing. And I wish I could tell you more about what the scheme would be from game-to-game, -game, but again, I'm just blocking, you know? Yeah, and it seems like to me, at least as a casual fan, that you know maybe it's like your own version of the of the RPO, right? Because you have a quarterback who can run, he can pass, he has the option to do either one, and so we see Helterbrand, you know, sometimes calling his own number, sometimes you know throwing the ball. Um, but let's pivot this weekend to a, a game that's probably the one of the biggest of the weekend. You guys are taking on the Titans, um, Oshkosh's. You know, knocking on the door every season now, and at two and one in the conference, this is kind of a do or die situation for them if they want to uh, stay relevant in the national conversation or for a a WIAC, uh, playoff or a Pool C bid. When you guys take on or preparing for these games, is it just this? It's all about us. We don't worry about the opponent. Or do you know, kind of in the back of your mind, like these guys are going to give us their their best shot, and we need to be ready. You know, I would say that. Um every game in the WEAC is literally a bloodbath. There are, there are no games that are taken for granted. So we're, we're approaching every team the same. We know that we're going to get everyone's best shot and we have to give it our best. So uh, we're treating Oshkosh just like we would any other WEAC opponent. Yeah, Mike, I was just going to ask, I mean, this, this game last year out there at Oshkosh came down to the a, a game-winning, I think, 51-yard field goal uh, with like under a minute to play. So, I mean, what what do you see as being the keys this season uh, to this season's game against them? And what did you guys do last year, um, you know, that maybe, you know, you'd like to, you know, try to accomplish this year uh, in this season's matchup? You know, I'm a lineman, so I'm always going to say I think the key to winning the game is establishing the run game. Um can't speak too much for the defensive side of things, but I assume stopping uh, their quarterback, Kobe, would be a good start of things. Um, I, I would just say uh, if we can establish the running game and stay at it for four quarters, we'll be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, Kobe Burkhammer, he's pretty good. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, like we've said, uh, you've got some good, good guys on your offensive side as well there, and your defense uh, is uh, almost second to none as well. Uh, so uh, this is going to be an interesting game to see how it plays out. Mike, I want to ask you, though, you know, when it comes to WEAC schools and choosing where to go or what to do, you know, when you signed on for lacrosse, it wasn't, you know, the behemoth necessarily. It had been a number of years since it had been the behemoth, and you still chose to go there. There were other WEAC schools that were likely interested in you, among others out there in Division Three. Why lacrosse, or why did you take a risk here that, hey, we're going to be able to make this team into one of the fighting teams every year at the top of the standings, uh, even in a year, this year, where, like we said, you lost so much of your offensive numbers, but yet you're, you're still here. You're, 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 in fact, better than ever, according to the rankings. Yeah, um, at the time when I uh, came to lacrosse, you know, I, I really just loved the place that lacrosse was, and I saw the upward trend that the program was on, and what really sold me was the coaching staff, uh, specifically Matt Janis. You know, he was the D.C. then. I actually came to lacrosse as a defensive player, and I, I really liked what uh, what connection I had built with Janice. And uh, when he took over as head coach, it was really like a perfect situation for me. But I, I knew from the time that I met him that it was going to be a, 
a really special team with him uh, in charge in any capacity. So that that was kind of the sell for me. And um, you know, I, w- I would say if you're been if you've ever been to lacrosse, what uh, what kind of separates it from other WEAC schools is is just a, a a beautiful place, and there's buy-in from the community. So I, I saw those things, and it made it really easy for me to buy in, even when the program wasn't, you know, a top five program. Last question from JB. Go ahead, JB. Yeah, and I was just kind of curious because, you know, speaking of beautiful places, your hometown is Lake Zurich, so I assume that there's probably a nice, beautiful lake there. And, and you know, you're in the state of Illinois. I know that I'm pretty sure from, I mean, it was like 25 years ago that I lived in, in Chicago, but that's, you know, close to the border of Wisconsin. But how did all these... Um, you know, Illinois schools not keep you in the, in the home state. What, what brought you across the border, so to speak? Well, um, you know, I, I think that the allure of a bigger school uh, kind of got to me. You know, a lot of the WEAC schools have a little bit more enrollment than some of the private schools within Illinois that you might see in like the CCIW. So I, I really wanted kind of that like big school feel at a, at a smaller level, I guess you could say. And the WEAC really called me on that. And I found that uh, lacrosse is my best fit within the WEAC. Well, that's awesome. Well, well yeah, Mike, uh, you are uh, one polished dude. Let me tell you something. Uh, <laughs> you're, you uh, are taking the offensive lineman interview to new heights. He's I mean, like Ali like, Marpet, man. He's just a, no you know, he's just like Ali. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I appreciate so, it. No, well, we appreciate you. Uh, it's always great to have a conversation like this. Uh, you're as astute uh, as Nate Milne was earlier on the show, uh, and uh, it puts all of us to shame. But I want to give you an opportunity for any shout-outs to family, friends, teammates, etc. Mike Bertoya, this, uh, the floor is yours here. Go right ahead. Uh, you know, I, I got to call out my offensive line and my uh, offensive line coach, uh, I guess I would say look forward to uh, Jack Kelly, our defensive end, having a great game this weekend. I think he's one of the best players in the nation that might not get uh, the shine that he maybe deserves at times. Other than that, I appreciate your time. Thank you. As I uh, try to transition here, uh, but Mike, uh, we appreciate your time, you joining us, and getting lacrosse on the show. Uh, we, we've been trying a, a couple times, and finally we got it to work out. So thanks to Coach, Coach Janice for his uh, ability to make yeah. that finally happen for us. Yep. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about you down the line uh, throughout this season. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us here. Yes, sir. Have a, have a good day. You too now. All right, good luck Mike Saturday. Mike offensive lineman for UW Lacrosse. Yeah. And uh, thanks to him uh, and everybody over there for uh, fighting through that. Andrew, stay with us. Uh, in the meantime here, uh, JB, I want you, if you can, uh, prep to talk about the uh, Merchant Marine situation while we get the uh, video here. Uh, I'm trying to remember yeah. what school I lined up here. Uh, oh, it's Carol. Excuse me. It's Carol. Uh, talking about things they can't do without. Let's go to this video. Here we are today with another question of the day, asking the Carroll University football team one thing they can't live without. Insulin. A good buttered steak. Biscuits. Night class. Nutella. Each Each other. Spotify music. My chapstick. My dog. 2K24 on PS5. AC Miller's Positivity. Coach Garcia. Ketchup. Linda's Omelets. Smarties. Managers doing our laundry. Broadway music. Little Caesars. Late night McDonald's. Football. 
Coach Brady Thompson. The Sun, because I'm from Cali. Don Svolt. Chocolate covered blueberries. Uh, my dogs and my baby boy Drew. Ben and Jerry's. Peanut butter. I'm a simp. I can't live without my girlfriend. Yep, I'm a second simp on that one right there. And I also need oxygen. My dogs. The Green Bay Packers. My wife and my two beautiful daughters. My morning cup of joe. I can't live without my insulin pump. <laughs> Goldfish. My mom. Shout out to her. Josh Ravy. Gatorade. Food. Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Alina McQueen. Sam Corey. It would be my family. I love them a whole big old bunches. Bubba. Nate Johnson. My puppy, Malibu, and Hallie Peterson. Air. Culver's and football. My puppy. MDR's ice cream. Football. My Merce. Uh, my family. My girlfriend and watching YouTube videos. Trevor Pye. My mommy. Jackson William Parman. Josh Raby. Right there. And then... My twin M. My fish named Lilypad. My dog. Uh, something I can't live without personally would happen to be my cat. Coach JB and Coach Fest. See you next yeah. week. Yay! Hi everyone. Brain or shine? You always get question of the day. But this week, we definitely need your help. So comment down below some of your favorite questions you want to ask our amazing football players. We look forward to seeing you next week. See you. <laughs> Look at this wonderful specimen. <laughs> yeah, that was well done. I gotta give him credit great. for that one. Oh yeah. god. Oh, Carol, god. Uh, you outdid really yourself funny. on that one. Thank you very much for that content. Uh, Andrew, if you bear with us for a second here, I want to talk about a little something uh, that we learned about uh, this week uh, related to Merchant Marine Academy, and JB will fill us in on details on this. Yeah, so for those of you who may not be aware, there's a um, Latin phrase, acta non verbo, which translates, as far as I understand, is to actions, not words. And there were a pair of Mariners football players um, during their C year, which is, I think, typically between it's either sophomore, junior year or, ju or junior uh, prior to senior, senior year, where, they, where they're out at sea um, and they're working in you know, various uh, parts of the world, some which are undergoing amount of conflict. And there are these two Mariners players, Joseph Franco from Staten Island and Cole Simmons, who's from Montrose, Colorado, who were awarded a commendation um, by the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy for effectively um, saving some lives of, um, of some students that were, uh, or, or some, um, some parties out there that was in, in trouble and in doubt. So they, um, they were able to, um, you know, Get get in get part of their Coast Guard license to become Merchant Marine officers, but they did have uh, you know a situation that they were um, literally you know called into active <laughs> active duty to um, to intervene and save some people out at sea. And so I mean this is really you know kind of the the ultimate why D three bigger than football. Uh, and this is why we always love the um, you know these academy guys, both at the Merchant Marine and the Coast Guard. You know, Army, Navy, Air Force, you know, et cetera, uh, Marines. And, and this is why these guys are, are sort of a special breed of, of D3 football players. So uh, congratulations to Cole and Joe on this commendation and for, you know, risking their lives for the benefit of others. You know, this is why we, you know, why we always give a big shout out for our service people and um, congratulations to them. 
Uh, excellent, uh, and thank you for doing that, uh, JB. Uh, guys, uh, we got to go through uh, regions three, four, and five still. Uh, we did not get to those slides yet, and then we have predictions, which uh, you know, Andrew, yeah. you're, you're going to stick around for predi predictions, right? Because last time we were outclassed yeah. big time uh, by uh, Jim Catton zero. He went eight Coach and three Cat, in the week yeah. that we went like zero and eleven or something like that. So yeah, we'll we see. Were not uh, good we'll, that week. Yeah. But uh, first things first, we'll tell you more about the games coming up here. Region 3, Harden, Simmons, Ross State is uh, your pick, JB. Uh, I've got uh, Washington and Lee versus Hampton, Sydney, because WNL is still alive in the ODAC race. And so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Shenandoah will take on Randolph-Macon. Rhodes-Hendricks, interesting game at 7 p.m. as well. Uh, but there are those. Go ahead, take Region 4. Um, Trine takes on Albion, who just replaced their head coach in the middle of the season. So I, I know Albion's struggling a little bit. Trine's trying to you know, keep their head above water there in the MIA race. And, and Hanover, Mount St. Joseph, Rose-Holman versus Franklin. This is a big Heartland sort of uh, uh, round robin right here. That's Right now, that, that conference is up for grabs. The winners of these games will have a big impact on where that shapes from the playoff perspective. And, and DePaul takes on another challenger in Wittenberg. No pushover there in the NCAC, 2 p.m. So, you, uh, Frank, looks like you like Rolls-Holman and Franklin. I'm taking Hanover and, and Mount St. Joe's in the, uh, in the Heartland sort of round robin here. In Region 5, speaking of Carroll, they have a big game against Wheaton. Um, this is a, a, a definitely a major CCIW matchup, as is Wash U versus North Central. Both games are – well, pretty much all these games are going to be at 2 o'clock. Um, North Central in the – in the front runner, number one in the nation. If WashU has any hope for any postseason bid, they need to make something happen here, but the, the odds are, won't be in their favor, most likely. Lake Forest is going to get a challenge from, uh, from Ripon. Um, they've always provided the Foresters a good challenge in the Midwest Conference and the North Park, sort of the surprise of the CCIW. Can they upset the Vikings' strong run? I know that um, you know, there was an article on d3football.com about Augustana's uh, recent success. And so you know, we'll see if the Vikings can win this game and stay in, you know, solid in that third, third place spot. Maybe they'll get that Isthmus Bowl bid. They haven't been in the postseason for a long time. So this is a, a big matchup for both teams. Well done, uh, and thank you again for doing that. And it is time for predictions here. We will uh, dispense with the clock on the screen, and we'll just kind of go into this in a moment here. Andrew, you ready? Uh, you ready to roll? We'll uh, basically uh, start with JB, me, you, then me, you, JB, and we'll just keep going round and round clock, like that for clockwise. Okay. Yeah, the, the clock will uh, be somewhere in the back of our minds here at this point. I just got to find where the heck our music is. Oh, there it is, and here we go. First game is there. Uh, the first game, <laughs> yeah, is going to be in the new Mac. It's a game I'm attending. Salve Regina at Springfield, JB. Well, the pride at home are tough, but it does feel like this year with all those fifth-year seniors that the Seahawks have that they could eke this one out. It's going to be potentially a wet and slippery Saturday afternoon across the Northeast. So uh, I think maybe... Um, the Seahawks with a little more of a passing game and maybe a fumble or two that they recover from the pride with that wet ball will squeak by with a 24 to 21 win in Springfield. Coach Milne had pointed out that uh, this is not the first experience with the triple option for Salve Regina. Uh, they did beat Merchant Marine earlier in the season and so I think they know what they're going to be handling here. 
I'll give a slight edge to Salve Regina on the road, 17-14. Andrew, you saw Springfield this season. Oh, hold on, Andrew. That's that's on me. Go for it. Uh, JB mentioned wet weather. I'm going to go with the running game here. Springfield's rushing attack uh, has been very, very good, except for when it played against Union uh, in September. So I'm going to go uh, with the pride. I'll say 24-17. Uh, to 17. Muhlenberg at Dickinson. I'm still going to give the edge here to the Mules, but this is going to be a close game. This is going to be nip and tuck, I think, because the Red Devils have been really good this season at pulling out close games. And so, I, you know, if I woke up the next day and heard Dickinson beat Muhlenberg, I wouldn't be shocked right now. That's the kind of season it's been. Muhlenberg, though, I give the edge to 28-24. Go ahead, uh, Andrew. I am going to go with you as well. I think Muhlenberg uh, is, is the team. Dickinson uh, has played well since losing against RPI, but I think Muhlenberg is going to take it. I will say 28-17. Uh, JB? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll go with the Mules also. I feel like a combination of their defense and this. I've heard this Repetti kid is pretty good at quarterback, so he, he could have a big game even though Dickinson seems to get um, some big plays on the home court. But uh, I think after a close first half, Mules pull away 35-20. to 20. I'm just realizing ampersands don't look good on my... Oh, no, actually it came through. Uh, so Washington and Lee yeah. at Hampton-Sydney. Uh, and, Andrew, you will begin this one. Good luck to you on this ODAC game you probably have very little <laughs> idea about. But that doesn't mean you're not going to do better than we do on this, okay? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the rub on fair this. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the true. rub. That's true. This is one of the leagues that I don't follow all that often. Um, I'm going to say Hampton Sydney because they're playing at home and I uh, I think they're they're going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 21-17. JB Tigers do play tough at home and and they also seem to play in very close games week after week, but I think the Generals were either off last week or they they didn't have as tough a, a opponent. You know, Hampton Sydney's been living by the you know, the skin of their teeth the last couple of weeks. So I think the Generals will kind of ground and pound, keep that high-powered offense off the field, and win 31-28. Going to be a close one. I'm going to Washington and Lee. I think the Generals are uh, kind of get lining up, getting ready for that Randolph-Macon uh, matchup ultimately. And so I'm going to give the edge here to Washington and Lee on the road uh, by final score of 24-20. Uh, let's see, up next is Harden-Simmons at Sol Ross State. JB, you start with a Harden-Simmons team that has been wacky the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and with Sol Ross you know, bringing in guys to help them take it up to Division Two, I think, is their next step, or maybe it's the NAIA. But either way, they're, they're bringing in some you know, sort of non-scholarship types of things or, or, or scholarship types of things, I should say. Um, so they'll, they'll be a tough out, but the Cowboys seem to be finding ways. Now they've got Galen Glenn back at quarterback. I think it's going to be a tough game like last week, but they'll persevere, let's say, 35 to 28. They're number 25 in my poll because of uh, what's been happening lately. Uh, I'm going to give Harden-Simmons still the edge here by a final score of 31-21. Andrew? Yeah, Harden-Simmons, they, they had that misstep uh, in September at Endicott. Um, but they've kind of bounced mm. back. I'll go with uh, with Harden Simmons on the road. Uh, any score? Uh, I will go uh, twenty eight to uh, twenty one. 
Yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh, now the HCAC round robin games. Uh, Rose Holman at Franklin is first here. And uh, I think that Rose Holman has just played better overall. Franklin's had an interesting season, I believe, with three losses but undefeated in the HCAC. And so Rose Holman has, uh, even on comparable scores, a better resume right now. So I'm going to give the edge to Rose Holman on the road again. Uh, that should be a song. Uh, by the final score of 34-20. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, national press got given to Cora, the running back from Franklin, who had that 318-yard, four-touchdown performance. But it was against Defiance, who's going to be leaving Division Three because they're sick and tired of losing a lot. Um, so... I think Rose Holman is the stronger program in this instance, so I will go with the fighting engineers, I think they're called, or the running engineers, or, or what have you, uh, to outlast the Grizz. 42-33, gonna be a high scoring game. Andrew, he went out of order, maybe that was a benefit to you, so I didn't say anything, but yes. go ahead. Yeah, that benefited me. I'm gonna go with you guys, Rose Holman on the road. Um, yeah, they, uh, I think they're going to have too much. You, you guys both had high scores, so I'm going to say uh, 38 to 24. This conference readily tests the lights in the scoreboard. I got to be honest with you. Every year when they're in conference play, Hanover at Mount St. Joseph. Hanover, the one-loss team, but they, their only loss was in conference. And so Mount St. Joseph, it, it, this is an interesting matchup. JB, you start. We'll give them a little extra time again to uh, study up on this one. Yeah, well, Mount St. Joe's won the conference last year, and they do have this you know, great quarterback. So I, my initial thing is to go with the, with the Lions uh, at home. And I think I'm going to stick with that pick, even though Hanover has looked good at times. But I'll take, the, um, I'll take the Mount St. Joe's to win it. Another high-scoring affair, like a 42-28 to 28 type game. Yeah, and I think Mount St. Joseph, they win this game, they're going to stay atop the standings in the HCAC with whoever wins the previous game we talked about. Uh, so I, I think that they have a lot on the line here. Hanover would be survival game for them, but obviously with the one loss, they, they are having to play their way back into contention. I guess Mount St. Joe's, the edge at home, as you suggested, 40-30. Um, Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll stick with you guys. I'm going to say Mount St. Joseph's at home. They're in first place. Um, they're trying to, you know, stay in first place in the conference. Um, I will say 31-21. Uh, Pair of CCIW games here. First, North Park having a, uh, a historic season by at least recent uh, standards against Augustana, who is also having a pretty good season as well here. And I will start this and say Augustana at home is tough right now. And I will stick with that 41-24 Augustana. JB? Yeah, I mean, I've been riding the Vikings uh, bandwagon for a few weeks now. They, I, you know, I told the Isthmus Bowl guys I thought that they would be their bowl bid pick um, three or four weeks ago, and I'm going to stick with that. North Park has had a great run, um, but I think the Vikings are just that much stronger. They'll win 35-17. Andrew? Yeah, I think Augustana at home, I mean, they've scored – over 40 points in all but two of their games. Um, I think they're going to score big once again. Uh, maybe not that big. Uh, I'll say 38 to uh, 21. Wheaton at Carroll. We know who wins right now in the social media game uh, because uh, Carroll had a pretty good uh, two-minute, 20-second <laughs> Twitter video there. But uh, what do we think yep. about on the football field, JB? Yeah, I just feel like the... 
you know, the Thunder have been tested. They played Oshkosh. They beat them. They, they hung it with um, North Central for a little while, I guess, you know, they, <laughs> and it's not that anyone can really hang with them. But I feel like the, the Thunder have enough talent to keep it close and to win on the road. Um, I'd say this will be closer game than maybe people realize, but I'll take the Thunder to outlast a 42 to 35. Mr. Santillo, uh, after me on this, actually, I didn't go yet. Wheaton wins this game, uh, just being the class right now, uh, below um, North Central, obviously, but still the class, or in the class of the CCIW. On the road, they still win this 45-20. Agreed. Uh, they scored 35 against North Central, so... Uh... That is, uh, well, that's like, that's yeah, like, that, that's that's bad, a uh, bad thing to talk about uh, with respect to me and everything else in that game. So let, let's just keep going on that. They, yeah. they, they, they win this game on the road. Uh, give me a score while I get the next one up here. I'll, I'll say uh, 35 to 21. Okay, you're going to start this one because you, you had to uh, prep up a little bit for this one uh, today. Oshkosh at lacrosse, and uh, you saw Mike Bertoya. Uh, you could see the leadership in that team and why they're doing as well as they are. A real stand-up guy there he was, and uh, representing the rest of his team. Oshkosh, so obviously, Kobe Berghammer, uh, Andrew, has some prowess in the passing game, to say the least. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with lacrosse. I mean, they won by a field goal on the road last year. They're at home this year. Um, they're averaging close to 450 yards of offense. Um, we heard great interview there with Matt Bertoya, who uh, um, yeah. was very complimentary of his offensive line crew. So I'm going to say uh, lacrosse wins this one. I'm going to say 28 to 24. JB? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen with the Titans is that they can be a little hot and cold, right? So this might be a game where they their offense gets cooled down a little bit. Maybe that defensive end that, that Mike brought up might have some – uh, some TFLs or sacks, what have you. So I'll, I'll take the home team. It's going to be a close call, though. These games always are. So I'll take the Eagles to hang on, maybe with a long field goal near the end to win 31-28. to Yeah, at home, if, if this was at Oshkosh, I might actually flip my pick. I think the home team matters yeah. on this one a little bit. And so I'm going to give lacrosse the edge in this game. Listen, if Oshkosh wins this game, all those folks talking about multiple pool seed bits and all that stuff can shove it because what's starting to happen at that point is complete collapse of the uh, leadership of the WEAC because of you know all these teams just knocking each other off. So we'll see where yeah. it goes. If lacrosse wins, then it's kind of back to normal uh, still, or still normal, I guess I should say. Lacrosse winning this For game. For another week. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 28-20, I believe, will be the final score in favor of lacrosse. Um, now, Andrew, you're really going to test your D3 knowledge on this one. <laughs> We're going out west, way west, to California. Redlands at Claremont Mud Scripps, and JB's going to start. JB, this is a big game, actually, in the Skyac. Yeah, it really is, because both of these teams have been sort of, talk about hot and cold, like they'll win some, and then they lose a game, and you're like, how did that happen? Um you know, the Bulldogs, though, I've, they seem like they just have a little bit more of an edge on defense. Claremont Mud Scripps has this very um, strong quarterback, but I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the dogs on the road. It's going to be a low scoring affair. They, they hung around with Linfield, so I think they've had a little bit of a tougher challenge, uh, perhaps. So 14 to 10 Redlands. 
I'm going to go Claremont Mud Scripps here. I, I watched Redlands last week, and they looked listless after that loss uh, against Pomona Pitts in the previous week, ultimately. And so I, I'm beginning to wonder what's going on there. Uh, I think Claremont Mud Scripps, as you pointed out, has a healthy uh, offense that can win this game for sure. I will give them the edge 17-14 uh, in this game. Well, two low-scoring uh, projections there. I'm going to go with Claremont Mud Scripps as well. They're 3-0 at home. Uh, this one's at home, and uh, I think they're going to they're gonna get this one. I'll say 21-17. Okay, we saved it for last for a reason. Hobart at Union. I was wondering. I it's mean, it's the, in the huddle ball right here, folks. And uh, JB, Nate Milne was expecting you to get hop on a plane to come to the game. Why aren't you? Well, you know, I've got some uh, kids to take care of at home for uh, for a change. And um, after the New York City thing, I, I, I need to take a break from a little bit of travel for at least another week or so. But, you know, as, as you guys may have seen from my um, gohobart.blogspot.com post, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, Logan Hansen seems to think his model always correctly predicts this. He's been pretty right on the last two years. But in 19, <laughs> sorry, in, in, in 19 and 18, he was off by about 20 points, and then in 2018, he was off who won by a touchdown. So models, schmodels, it's going to be rainy. It's going to be wet. On paper, Union is the stronger team, but I got to represent my alma mater. I'm going to say Hobart wins 13-10. to 10. We'll see. I'm going to take the paper and say Union is the stronger team uh, for this game. Uh, and uh, I'm going to say that uh, their defense is going to be the difference maker, and the weather may be pretty bad, and so that ball gets slick. That ball will start flying uh, out of offense's hands, offensive players' hands. I'm going to say it's going to be a low-scoring, tight game, 14-10 Union wins. So you guys are going to hate this, but I'm calling the game, so I'm not going to make we a We know. Pick. Oh! But, That's right. He uh, has to stay impartial. But I have a both, feeling both, I know who he would pick if he had to. Both, both teams' only loss has been at Ithaca. Um, and I know I don't think JV heard this, but Coach Kevin DeWall still thinks that a potential runner-up at 9-1 and one in the Liberty League should be a pool C, uh, you know, That's should be fair. in the pool C consideration. Yeah. They, they should be. The, they absolutely should be. It's not a guarantee, though, as you know. Yeah. So the, yeah. the winner of this game stays on track for that, right? You've got four one-loss teams in the Liberty League. So I think this is going to be a really good game. I mean, Coach DeWall said two great Absolutely. defenses with opportunistic offenses. Um, I think Union has had two kind of, I wouldn't say sluggish offensive games, but the Rochester game, they had put up a lot of yards but not a lot of points. And yeah. last week they, they struggled in the rain. So I think... Unions had a couple of these end of the season slides, if you will, and I I don't foresee that happening again. Um, I think home field is going to be big in this one, but Hobart travels well, yeah. and I think it's going to be a really good game that comes down to the to the fourth quarter, and somebody's going to win by less than a touchdown. Yeah, I think right. Hobart hasn't won for in Schenectady. Hobart hasn't won in Schenectady since, I think, 2015, so it's been a while. I think you guys have won three or four in a row there at, at home. He's, he's picking Union. Just put him down for Union on the pad, okay? Got it? Hey, Hobart has won nine of the last 12 meetings, dating back to 2010. True. 
Andrew, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on by uh, today to help us out yeah, uh, and even uh, predicting games out. you never thought you would ever predict in your lifetime in <laughs> Division Three. Okay, <laughs> we get it. Uh, but he's going to be uh, on his. He's going to be in the middle of the Union broadcast, and he's going to be like, "Hey, wait a minute! I have to check the score of the uh, Franklin uh, Rose Holman game." Excuse me for a second. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. <laughs> I'm have to stay up late for the Claremont Mud Scripps game. Yeah, exactly. Right. We we do it. Why don't you? Come on, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. And uh, I, I've fallen asleep to Redlands games, not because they're boring, because they're on at 1 a.m. basically still going on. But, uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us so much again, and uh, good luck on your broadcast tomorrow. Sorry I won't be joining you, but I will see you on uh, – I'll see you soon. I will put it that way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I will send you updates from Springfield on the Salvia Regina game, perhaps, in case you want to update people Can on I that. Can I ask because, one last question? Yeah, well, let me just say one thing, and then the question. Springfield is important to Union right now because sure, right. Yeah. they need Springfield to win the NUMAC for regionally ranked opponent reasons. So if Springfield can win out, it helps Union greatly, to, you know, depending on where strength of schedule lands for them. Having a regionally ranked opponent in a win versus them is huge when it comes to difference making in Pool C. Now your question. Sorry about that, JB. And, and, and I'm sort of saying this tongue in cheek, but and I, I don't know if Andrew knows or not, but I mean, you guys play for a rivalry trophy against RPI that's been, you know, for the oldest rivalry in upstate New York football, the Dutchman Shoes. Are they going to change the name of the trophy now to the Chargers? Choose. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I I just I don't even. I mean, I I still Sorry, hold I out hope that we're going back to Dutchman <laughs> at some point soon because somebody's going to realize this is as bad as the Red Hawks for uh, Rensselaer back when when they tried that trick. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll I'm gonna, see. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no comment. But I'm more concerned with who wins the uh, the other rivalry trophy. Uh, maybe two hours to the west. Uh, and making sure that the uh, Cortica jug stays on the South Hill. Well, there, that's go. an interesting uh, point, luck. too, because uh, A.J. Wingfield uh, not going to be playing anymore this season, as we've pointed out, and that's a very, very tough scenario. We'll see um, what happens uh, at the QB position here starting this week against Rochester in that game. Again, Andrew, thanks yep. for joining us. Uh, we're going to uh, end things here with J.B., but uh, go ahead. I think we uh, I think lost I him think there. He just said he... goodbye. Yep. Yeah, right. There he thank is. You for, thank you, Andrew, for bailing me out with my some of my family commitments I had this morning. And, um, of course, Coach Milne, I mean, you guys should just go on tour. The, the comedy, I, I'm gonna wa I can't wait to watch the playback of you two roasting me probably for the first five minutes. Uh, so It was pretty tame, actually. He, he, tame? he His okay. interview... Yeah, his interview with Louis Berrioso was really excellent. I mean, uh, you've never asked questions like that before, and I, I was like, really like taking notes. Even They're like these, these are questions a color commentator right. type should be asking, and insights. I uh, he set should my be game giving, up. I'll then, tell huh? you. Okay. No kidding. Right, okay. You may want to get, go to the Nate Milne commentator training uh, seminar coming up soon. Um, anyway, jeez, <laughs> no, he was good though. I, I, in all seriousness. <laughs> In all seriousness, Louis Berrios and him could have just carried the whole damn thing of themselves. I shouldn't have even been there. Yeah. Uh, how are you watching uh, tomorrow? How are you watching football tomorrow as we're at 10.22 uh, a.m.? This is our longest live show ever, I believe, at this point. So finish it out. How are we watching it? Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I think most of these games are going to be, once again, very closely packed in. So you're going to have to be a bit of on a swivel as far as, you know, 
changing changing the channels, so to speak. But um, tonight there's a good game, and I think even the um, the college football stadium or there's a there's a guy on Twitter who travels around the country. He's going to be in Danbury to watch um, Mass Maritime versus Westcon, so you can tune in at seven tonight. But starting off at noon tomorrow, I mean, take your pick. Salve Springfield, Alfred State Gallaudet. Someone's got to win the CFC, so that should be a good one. You obviously have Ithaca, Rochester, Hobart Union, I believe, is it at noon. Both teams had different numbers or time kickoffs for that. And then you have a whole great of ga- slate of games that start at one between Hopkins, your sinus. Muhlenberg, Dickinson, Salisbury, Rowan, you've got um, DelVal, Lebval at 1. Uh, 1.30, you've got Norwich, the Coast Guard, sort of the Little Army-Navy game. You've got some of these um, you know, HCAC round robins starting at, at 1.30. You've got DePaul-Wittenberg at 2. And then 2 o'clock, you've got a huge slate of games in the CCIW. WashU, North Central, Wheaton, Carroll, North Park, Augustana. You've got Lake Forest taking on Ripon in the Midwest. You've got Oshkosh Lacrosse, which is the, pretty much the game of the weekend. St. John's versus Gustavus Adolphus, maybe under the radar, but could be an interesting game in the Mayak. 3 o'clock, you've got Stout versus Whitewater. The Warhawks are on a little of a roll, but they haven't won the conference just yet. Stout gave... Um, some other teams a good run for their money, so tune in for that. Four o'clock, Redlands versus Claremont Mudscripts. It's not a red-eye game, guys, so if you want to see some SoCal football, you can tune in at four. And then if you, for those diehards, there's a great game at seven o'clock on Saturday night, Washington and Jefferson versus Carnegie Mellon. It's basically an elimination game for, for these teams for either a Pool C bid and or maybe even an ECAC Bowl, potentially. And then, of course, the you know for the Night Owls, we've got Willamette versus George Fox and Cal Lutheran versus Chapman at 10 o'clock. But you're going to have a really tight window of 12 to about uh, 2 to 4 o'clock where there's going to be a ton of action going on. So you're going to have a, you know, you have to do the Greg, um, you know, the Greg Wally Wabash, you know, 15 different monitors going uh, to catch all these games at once. Yeah, indeed. Um, and, uh, you, you know, thoughts uh, generally, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about I don't know if I'm going to do it right here, somewhere down here. Uh, will Chalk continue to win is the question because, yeah, it's more on your side anyway. Uh, but it's been kind of a Chalk kind of couple weeks, uh, and so we'll see if that's going to continue yep. or not. Uh, I'm curious to see if anybody gets knocked out of the top 25. We've got two straight weeks where nobody has gotten knocked out. And I can never remember three straight weeks of it happening. I can't even remember two, to be honest with you, but Hmm. I'm sure that's happened. But three, probably not. Um, Thank you to Nate Milne for joining us on short notice as uh, co-host number one. And Andrew Santillo as uh, co-host number two. JB, you weren't so bad as co-host number three eventually here. Uh, But Louis Berrios and everybody at DelVal, good luck to uh, DelVal as they face LeVal this weekend. And also Mike Bertoya. Uh, from lacrosse and uh, their game coming up against Oshkosh. Thanks everybody at lacrosse for getting that together as well. Thanks all of you for putting up with us for uh, 86 minutes of this show. And we are out of here, folks. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Twitter throughout the weekend and on Crunch Time, hopefully early next week.